Hi, and welcome to this edition of Fresh Hope for Mental Health. Our mission here at Fresh Hope for Mental Health is to empower you to live well in spite of your mental health challenge by sharing insights through interviews, practical tools for living well, encouragement and courage for overcoming all from a Christian perspective. And now here's your host, Pastor Brad Hayes. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Fresh Hope for Mental Health. I'm Brad Hayes, your host. Our purpose here on Fresh Hope for Mental Health is to empower you to live a faith-filled, rich, and full life in spite of having a mental health diagnosis. Well, as you most likely know or have heard that uh, one of country music's most beloved performers, Naomi Judd, passed away. As it has been widely reported, her daughters shared that she lost her battle with mental illness. Recently, it was confirmed that she had, in fact, died by suicide. Naomi was truly a champion of hope, and I was saddened to hear of her passing. And it was a reminder that so many of us from all walks of life are suffering with mental health challenges, and that so many of us have also experienced trauma, as did Naomi. I was deeply honored to be able to speak with her about her life just before the pandemic raged across the country in 2020. She graciously recorded an interview with me because she was going to be our gala speaker in 2020, but the event was canceled due to the pandemic, and so the podcast has gone unpublished until now. We are choosing to release this interview now not to capitalize on this heartbreaking incident, but rather to honor Naomi and help make people aware that no matter who you are, mental illness and trauma can affect you. There is help and there is healing for it. If you are struggling, and especially with suicidal ideation or suicidal plans or thinking, I want to challenge you to seek the help you need and get involved in a support group like Fresh Hope. It can make a world of difference. And if you need help right now, call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Just stop even listening to the podcast and call them right now. My heart goes out and my prayers go out to Naomi's entire family, especially to her two daughters, Winona and Ashley. Please note, this interview was recorded, I believe, in the late part of February of 2020 or the early part of March that year. And I'm releasing the entirety of the interview as it was recorded. Here I am now with Naomi Judd. Well, I can't wait for us to actually get into what we're here to do today, and that is to talk to Naomi Judd about her journey through depression and um, anxiety. And um, I'm so glad that you're joining us today. Thank you so much for being with us, Naomi. Well, we're all in this together. I know that one out of every four of us has a mental illness issue, so... Yes, and then another fourth are dealing with those of us who have the mental health struggles. <laughs> I always tell pastors at least 50% of your church is dealing with this. It's it's a very real thing, isn't it? Unfortunately, it is. I think, isn't it like 40, 40 million? Yeah, I think uh, even... In America have a depression. Yep, yep, and then 48 million something have some kind of diagnosable 
mental health issue. I've heard it said that 80% of the American population will suffer at least one bout with clinical depression at one point or another in their life. So absolutely. I'd love to just start by asking you, tell us about your journey. You have your book, River of Time. And in that book, you really lay out the details of the journey, and we want to encourage our listeners to grab a hold of a copy of that from Amazon.com, or I'm sure it's sold all over the place. Tell me about the journey. I think it actually began when I was about three and a half. I was actually molested by my uncle, and that was my very first memory. I actually mm-hmm. remember it at three and a half. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I didn't even tell my mother because I knew even at that early age that I couldn't trust her. There uh-huh. was. A, she had just had a very hard, hard scrabble life. Bless her heart, and she mm-hmm. never had a mm. to give what she didn't have herself. But anyway, um, I would play piano at church. Then I was. Uh, I loved Sunday school and church. I was there every Sunday as a world, and I was a town good girl. I made straight A's. I kept my room clean. Um, yes, ma'am, no, sir, never got spanked. I was a very happy, outgoing child until, um, the night before my senior year of high school, my Mm. little brother, Brian, there were six of us, my little brother, Brian, had a lump on his shoulder, and at the supper table, I noticed it, and Mom went in immediately and called the family doctor, um, and the next night, uh, Daddy had a gas station. He had a little tiny, um... Judd's gas station, just a couple blocks away from our house, actually. I walked everywhere I went in our town. The Vogue Theater, the Christ Church, um, I mean, the Baptist Church, everywhere I ever went. Mm-hmm. But uh, So I was left alone because Mom and Dad had to take their life savings out from underneath their mattress. Uh, I watched them do that. And then they took the mattress and put it in the back of our beat-up of a uh, family station wagon. And uh, they sped off into the night to go to another state to look for uh, a doctor for my little brother that had cancer, reticulum cell sarcoma. So I was left alone that year. It's uh, 1963, I want to hold your Beatles, I want to hold your hand. Uh-huh. There's something wrong with my throat. I had this for a day or two, so you'll have to excuse me. No but, problem. Uh, I was left alone to raise the kids, to raise the family, while Mom and Dad took Brian to the hospital. And during that year, um, that night, actually, that they left, right before senior year of high school, uh, the captain of the football team came by, and I was date-raped. Oh, my. First time, and I got pregnant. So during that year of 1963, I'm in school. I'm still taking piano lessons. I'm trying to cook and clean for a big house and the kids. And little Brian died oh. in uh, Mommy and Daddy got a divorce. Daddy walked out on us for a girl my age. And um, I gave birth to one of Ellen Jett on graduation night. Graduation night. So that was the first part of my journey. And that's when I realized that there is no security. You have to realize security comes from within. Mm-hmm. You have to have self-knowledge. You have to realize that it's not what happens, it's what you do with it. Right. After that, I had one on graduation night, 1964. And um, 
well, you can read in the book how it started down, but um, I've been through some pretty tough times. Yes. Yeah, you've had you've had a lot of trauma in your life. One of the things that I've come to believe is I do a lot of work in our um, county jail, and a lot of those folks have had a lot of trauma. A lot of people in all of our Fresh Hope groups and all of the across the United States that we have, people have trauma. And when you have trauma, it affects your brain chemistry. And then if you're coming from a family where the genetics are, you're kind of predisposed to that anyway, it it just is almost like swimming upstream the rest of your life, um, holding it at bay, if you will. Yeah, I we, we've come across trauma healing groups. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Trauma Healing Institute in America, but um, it's through the American Bible Society. One of the things that we're finding is people do, it helps them to work through their, pro, their, their pain because the pain of the traumas that we experience have to, at some point, be processed or they run us and run over us, so to speak. I totally agree. I have a lot of therapists. Mm. One of the things I learned while I was going through all my problems, while I was in, um, flash forward to 1972, I was living in Hollywood and didn't have a husband. Had um, um, other daughter, actually. Uh, one of the things I realized back then was that um, I started hearing about little pieces about my family history, mm-hmm. and then the, the man who decoded the human genome, his name is Dr. Francis Collins. Yes. He's one of the world's experts. Well, he's the top expert on, on, on genes mm-hmm. and heredity. But uh, he's a dear friend of mine, very fortunate. Mm-hmm. And he's never had a vacation in his life. Now he's the, dir- the director of the NIH, National Institutes of Health. When he was working on the genome project, Right after he found the human genome and delineated it, he came here to the farm where I am to spend a week with me and my husband and and his wife. Mm -hmm. And he taught me about genetics. When I told him my genetic background, he about fell off his feet. Oh, I bet. My great-grandfather was a mass murderer. Oh, my. And my my grandmother was a murderer. Mm -hmm. She shot my father in the back of the head twice. Mm. She burned the restaurant down. Um, everybody in the family are alcoholics. That's my that's my mom's side or my dad's side. His his five sisters were uh, all very mentally ill. Mm. They had um, agoraphobia. They wouldn't leave the house except on Friday. Go to the grocery store. They all went together. They lived in houses walk walking distance between each other. Mm. Mm-hmm. They never married. They never had kids. They were mm-hmm. just people. So when Francis, the man that decoded the genome, looked at my genetic profile, he said, you're going to have to work really hard to overcome this, but you can. Yeah, isn't that something? And to think of what you were able to experience out of life and and the life that you have had, that the parts that have been wonderful and good— in spite of all of that, is amazing when you think about the odds that you were up against, so to speak, genetically. Well, flash forward now to 1972. I'm, 
Uh, I'm 42 years old, and I'm working two jobs, two minimum wage jobs to keep water and actually in peanut butter. We were living in Hollywood. Um, I had a date with a boy next door. Wore cowboy boots and cowboy hat and jeans, and he was so different from all the Hollywood guys mm. who see in movies and spend a lot of time living in the mirror. So mm-hmm. I had a date with this guy. It turned out he was um, a psycho. He tortured me, beat me, raped me. Oh my! Then disappeared. And when I went to the uh, sheriff's station. In Hollywood, uh, West Hollywood, um, my, I couldn't see out of my left eye. My lips were completely swollen and cut. My face was all bruised. I had blood on me. And I had my two little girls with me. Mm. I was begging for help because I didn't know. He, he used heroin. Mm. It, yeah, that's how I escaped the house. Mm. Uh, that's got the kids out of the bed. But anyway, the sheriff said um, he pulled out his record and he had a record out of Ada, Oklahoma. And he said, this guy is a total psycho. We've been trying to get him. You've got to get out of town tomorrow or he will find you and kill you. So I moved to a mountaintop in Kentucky where I'm from. Lived on a mountaintop, very remote. No TV, no telephone. We were so poor. And I was really hiding out from this monster. Mm. Uh, but he never did find us. We still haven't heard from him again. It's just uh, amazing. And to to live that long, I think I heard you say it was more than a year that you lived like that, correct? Yes. That, that, that's amazing. And and yet you kept pushing on. You You kept pushing through. Well, I knew I wanted to edit an education because I didn't get an ed- I just barely got a high school diploma. They sent me in the mail mm. from the graduation night because I was right. in the hospital. So I decided that I wanted to become a doctor. So I put myself through nursing school. I was going to use because I was responsible for two little kids. I was, wow. would use my nursing degree to um, work up and get my MD. So I had enrolled at the University of Louisville uh, Medical School mm. in Kentucky. But while we were on that mountaintop, that's where I was getting my nursing degree, one of them started singing, and I realized instead of moving to Louisville for me becoming a doctor, I already had my RN. Mm. We were in Nashville for one another. So that's how the journey began. In regards to the singing and the music, if if you don't mind, um, tell me about how you believe that your faith played a role in sustaining you through all of these difficulties, and and how the Lord um, kept you going, and even in the worst part of the depression. What, how, how did you experience faith during that time? Well, faith and the book of Hebrews, you know. Is uh, the substance of things hoped for. You have to not live. Well, I tell people to live in the moment so they don't let their worries um, get ahead of them and they become preoccupied with their worries so they stay in a minute. Um, but also, 
you have to have something to a meaning, a purpose. Mm-hmm. You have something to get out of bed for mm-hmm. in the morning. And I had two little girls. Yes. That was my main reason, frankly. That was it for me to raise these yeah. two kids. That um, and they knew we were poor. They knew we weren't like other people. But um, we had joy, and we loved each other, mm-hmm. and we had fun together. And somehow mm-hmm. they yeah. made it through. Ashley is a professor at Harvard right now. Wow! Isn't that something? I was so thrilled today. She was the one that started the whole um, Harvey Weinstein. Yes, yes, the Me Too movement. He was a person, and today he got sentenced to 27 years in prison. Yes, yeah, it was today, wasn't it? I didn't see 27 years. That's that's good. Uh, it's not enough, but it's uh, because somebody was saying that he could get as few as 10 years and less than 10 and that would be a victory for him and i'm i'm glad to hear that um obviously the intellect the um intellect that you have and you're bent towards medicine i didn't know that until just now um and that you had thought about becoming a doctor. That's that's amazing. So this genetics and you uh, knowing this doctor, I'm sure that's you. Your brain is just wired towards that kind of stuff. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, let me give you an example. You have to visualize this because we're just on the phone. Imagine there's like a 12 inch piece of rope right in front of your eyes. Mm-hmm. The first third over on the left. The first third is your heredity. That's that's what you're born with. Mm-hmm. Tall, dark head, um, petite, blonde. That That's written in stone. Mm-hmm. The second part is your environment. That's the way that you were raised. Were your parents nice to you? Do they encourage you? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the spectrum, obviously. So that's the middle part. The third part is the hopeful part. And Francis, who's a total believer... Dr. Francis Collins, one of the most um, celebrated and revered scientists in the whole world, is a believer. Mm. And you can read the language, the language of life. And, um, and he has a book called this. I can't remember all the ones I've got. So the third, this is good news, the third part, the last part of the, of the genetic um, self-arrangement is having choices. You and I get to choose based on our thinking, which creates all the neurochemicals, serotonin, dopamine, epinephrine, creates all chemicals in the brain because we get to choose are we going to set our mind on being happy? Are we going to be forgiving? Are we going to love ourselves and appreciate what we have? Mm -hmm. And there's a professor, Bruce Lipton, um, I think, well, I won't say where he is because I'm not sure if he's moved right now, but uh, I've been studying him because he believes in epigenetics. Epi, E-B-I, mm-hmm. any word means around or above, like, epi, um, uh, well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah. Those are a lot of things to remember. <laughs> Um, well, epidermis is the top part of the skin, so that's what epi means. Mm. Epigenetics means around 
uh, above and beyond so that we can literally, through our thought process, cognitive behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. we can help to choose um, how the second gene is metabolized. If we decide to metabolize it through our brain thoughts, the synapses and axons and dendrites in our brain, Mm -hmm. uh, we can be... um, we get choices to make things better. Yes. Yeah. Boy, that's fascinating. And you put that very simply. I'm, I, even I could understand what you're saying. And one of the things we do in our groups is we really tell people and talk about that hope is a choice. You can choose to have hope. And in knowing that God can take and make even the worst of situations work for your good is to take wishful thinking hope and make it sure and certain. So I always tell people, you can be feeling as hopeless as you can imagine, but at the same time, you can find hope in the hopelessness. And I think that's kind of what you're saying in that third part. Uh Well, we are looking forward to having you with us here in Omaha. We're looking forward to um, hearing you and hearing about your journey and I don't, I think anybody who has heard about your journey or the details of it has got to feel more hopeful because uh, if, if somebody can make it through that, that gives anyone hope that's going through something tough and rough and through messy times of life. I really appreciate you for being honest and transparent about it. It would be so easy to hide that and, uh, because of that, uh, you are a champion of hope to me, and I'm grateful that you have chosen to tell about that part of your journey of life. Thank you so much for doing that. Well, I appreciate it, and one of the things that I try to do, I've been hospitalized three times. Yes. i hospital for things that happen later on, which I may talk about when I see you in person. Yeah. But uh, one of the most important things is to realize that we're all in this together. Yep, we are. And we don't have to do it alone. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you would, would you mind just giving some words of encouragement to our listeners today for those who might be at those deepest points of hopelessness or struggling? Um, would you mind just speaking to them for a little bit and just giving them some encouragement? It's been a really rough year for me when I come to... Kel and I will probably spill the beans and talk about some of that stuff. Um, I've been hospitalized in psych hospitals three times, and I've, uh, I very, in fact, I just heard yesterday that Hollywood is asking, wants to do a movie on my life. And mm-hmm. I'm still trying to wrap my hat, mind around that. But uh, one of the things I'm, I'm doing, and one of the reasons I would probably consider having the movie made of my life about these books that I wrote is that knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. The more I learn about genetics, about how I get to um, decide if the gene is going to be um, metabolized, I mean, I'm sorry, mentalization. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more I find out, I just put one foot in front of the other. I just keep going with hope because that's what hope is. Mm-hmm. It's a step above. It's knowing that there's something better and greater out there. 
Mm. Yeah. Like they say, when you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going. Keep taking the next step. This morning, my scripture was, that world keeps him in perfect peace. Mm. He stays on me, for he trusts in me. I think it's Isaiah 26.3. Well, I sure appreciate you. I'm excited about June. Yes, we're excited to have you also. So thank you so much for spending this time with us. And um, we'll look forward to hearing more and getting to know you a little bit in person. Thank you so much. Live well and be well. Yes, thank you. Well, my friend, that concludes the interview that I had with Naomi. As you could hear, she had a lot of trauma. She was extremely bright and intelligent, but she had a difficult life, especially in those younger years. She certainly was a beautiful person, and I thank the Lord for the opportunity to interview her. Now again, if you need help, if you're suffering with a mental health challenge, or if you love someone who has a mental health challenge, I would encourage you to go to freshhope.us. We have mental health support groups that are faith-based. You can attend them in person or online. We also have trauma healing groups that happen periodically, and you can sign up for those online also. For those of you who may have lost someone to suicide, I would encourage you to check out Surviving Together, which are new groups that we are starting for those who have lost loved ones. Well, that concludes this episode. I pray that you'll write us, let us know of other topics or other items that you'd like us to cover in this broadcast. Write me at pastorbrad at freshhope.us. Be sure to tell your friends about this program. Now, until the next time, may the Lord fill you with hope, fresh and new daily. I'm Brad Hafes, and this has been another edition of Fresh Hope for Mental Health. 